Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chabura Public Shiur. Tonight, we have with us our Rosh Bet Midrash, Senior Rabbi of the S&P Communities, Rabbi Joseph Tweck. In this two-part series, we're going to be exploring Rambam's fundamental introduction to his commentary uh, to Pirkei Avot. We will also, Rosh Bet Midrash was also, will also be talking a little bit about our new initiative, Gateway to Sefarad. We're very excited uh, for this new initiative uh, um, geared towards uh, students in yeshivot, and with that, thank you so much, everyone, for being here. Thank you so much. Everyone's going to be listening afterwards. And Chacham, the floor is yours. Thank you. Rabbi Ohad, so good to see you. And so good to see everyone. Thank you very much for uh, tuning in. Um, <clears throat> so, tonight we have two items on the agenda. The first, as uh, Rabbi Ohad mentioned, is this new initiative that the Habura is uh, launching uh, that we're calling Gateway to Svarad, which recognizes that there are many uh, people in yeshiva, and as it as it is, the majority of the yeshivot out there are um, not traditionally Svaradi, which is fine. There's many yeshivot, and that's something that Svaradim have to think about. You know, why are there not more yeshivot that are traditionally Svaradi as we, uh, as we kind of uh, follow here at the Chabura? Nonetheless, um, there is an initiative that we that we're launching that offers that is offering actual sfarim, actual books, to yeshiva students wherever they are, well, almost wherever they are, um, that present a an approach to either halacha or machshava or various elements of Torah from a, a classical sfaradi perspective. Um, and so this is something that uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the last the last uh, tally that we had was something over 100 students already that are in Yeshivot that have seen this and that have um, shown interest in receiving, you know, various farim. Um, and I just wanted to say about this, you know, it's it's the idea is not that, you know, these are better or that these are, uh, you know, uh, more more valuable or, you know, uh, more preferable for, for Talmidim to learn. It's simply recognizing that there's more to learn, that there is broader perspective, and that it, it is the case, unfortunately, but again, I'm not faulting the yeshivot themselves per se. Uh, they have their own derech, and they focus on their own, uh, you know, hachamim and their own approach, and you can't focus on everything, um, oftentimes what's taught in the yeshivot doesn't have sensitivity to, uh, to many of the hachamim that our you know, ancestors or our forebears studied, uh, you know, were familiar with, and for that matter, the hachamim themselves. There's been many times where I've mentioned some svaradi hachamim uh, to very learned uh, people that had been through yeshivot, and they didn't even know their names, right? Uh, but they nonetheless were very excited to study uh, you know the the these these inyanei uh, Torah when 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 I presented it to them and I even did study you know behavruta several times with people uh, these things so um, there are many things that are available I'll give example you know I mean likelihood is that if you're in the yeshiva you're studying Talmud right and there's a, you know every yeshiva has their own derech of studying the Talmud oftentimes what it is is reading a sugya of course hopefully you're reading gefet. Gemara, Perush, Rashi, Tosefot. And that's what's done. People read through Rashi, 
they go through the Tosafot, they spend a lot of time oftentimes on the Tosafot. Sometimes they'll try and see them Farjim on the Tosafot. Often, you know, by, I mean, in general, Tosafot is very difficult to do without having Bikyu through Shas, because what Tosafot does is give hyperlinks all over Shas, you know, from one Sugya to the next Sugya, from one Sugya to the next Sugya. But nonetheless, then, you know, there's this run through Rishonim. And, um, you know, a traditional approach among many uh, Sfaradim, certainly Edot HaMizrach, uh, Hachamim, was first of all to focus very much on Rashi himself, just to be able to understand Rashi. And and I've, you know, I learned for uh, three years on a daily basis with Rabbi Shimon Aluf, and we spent full Ayun, full, I mean, three hours, just trying to understand the Sugya according to Rashi and to uh, be careful and sensitive about his words. When Rashi says, Kilomar, that is to say, well, what did he think you, you thought it would say? And that in and of itself is not at all easy to be able to recognize and understand. And that itself is extremely valuable with regards to how it is that we learn. There's a Sefer Mishmerot Kehuna that we also learned with Rabbi Lu for, for three years, um, written by Rabbi Abraham Kohenitz Haki, who is Jerba, he's from Jerba. Uh, Goan, absolute Goan. Right, just his his insights in terms of the basic uh, words of Rashi, his insights into the elements of Tosafot itself are mind mind blowing. I mean, they're absolutely mind blowing. Most of of the rabbis in yeshiva won't even know about the Mishmarot Kiona. It's not easy to study, and it's not easy the Mishmarot. Not at all easy. But nonetheless, I encourage you know Talmidim uh, in yeshiva to uh, seek, for example a copy of the Mishmerot Kehuna, and they finally printed it new. I had to read it in the old version, which was hard enough to understand the Mishmerot Kehuna, but there were all kinds of typos in it that made it much more difficult to understand because you thought it was saying one thing and really saying another. But now they have it newly printed, and I encourage Talmidim and Yeshivot to look for it, try to learn it, try and understand it. It's very important. And uh, of course, you know, I mean, I wish there was more halakha in general that was studied in the yeshivot. Uh, not so focused. Many of the yeshivot are not so focused. I was very lucky. I was in Hazon Ovadia, Hacham Ovadia, Zechar Tzadik Rebracha. I used to come once a week to give shiur in the sugyot that we were learning. And of course, everything was according to halakha. And Hacham Yitzhak Yosef also, the current Rishon Zionige, who was our rabbi. I had shiur with him on a daily basis. And we did all of the sugyot of the Gemara, Adibadi Lecheta. We went through the Beit Yosef, Shamaruch, and Rishonim and Harudim, and the Dinim that we did. That's also very important because, you know, there's an understanding that we're learning Torah in order to be able to know what to do, right? How it is that it manifests the Halakha. So those are examples. And there's other, so that means, that, you know, who are the poskim? Thankfully, I had Hacham Ovadia Yosef as, my, as a teacher, and I came to be familiar with the poskim because of him. Because he, he amazingly crossed party lines. He didn't have any prejudice whatsoever in terms of who it is that he quoted. He quoted young, old, Ashkenazi, Sfaradi, Hasidi. Didn't matter. If somebody had something valuable to say in the Inyan that he was writing, he quoted them. It was astonishing that he knew them and he, he read them, but he did. And he crossed party lines and he quoted everybody. And that will be a good segue for our, uh, our, our next agenda. But nonetheless... I, I highly encourage, you know, the Talmidim to recognize that it's not that one is better than the other, one is over the other. I'm not suggesting that in any way, and I'm saying that only because people shouldn't misunderstand me as saying that. I'm simply saying there is tradition that we have that is being 
lost or the, I often say the volume is being turned, has been turned way down on it. And there are great hachamim with tremendous insight and understanding that in the general mainstream yeshivot, they don't study. And uh, and it's a shame. So these svarim that we're offering are offering you at least to, to get familiar with them and to be able to come to know them a bit and, and spend some time studying them. So I, I say that and uh, stay tuned on, you know, the Chabura's outlets and we will let you know more about it and uh, you'll hear about, you know, which svarim are available and so on and so forth. The second thing, of course, on our agenda is the, the core of the shiur, and that is the um, uh, the Shemona Perakim of Harambam. Uh, now, I'll say this about the Shemona Perakim. Uh, I'm giving the shiur uh, and the next shiur because I was requested to give the shiur, and I, I didn't decline. I don't like to decline too many times. Um, but you will notice, I mean, people who are familiar with my Torah, will recognize, you might have not met, noticed it, I, I I never, ever, ever quote the Shemona Perakim. Very, I mean, when I say never, ever, uh, maybe once in a very bloom, I quote the Shemona Perakim. And the reason for that is because in my experience, not, and it's this is like, I'm genuinely dust and, and, and nothingness compared to anyone, you know, who, who who's, uh, you know, any one of the Rishonim, certainly Moreno Harabeno Gadol Harambam. But Harambam wrote the Shmona Perakim when he was very young. And it happens to be that the information or the the material that he has, that he wrote in the Shmona Perakim was extremely valuable to him. And so he wrote it again in various forms later in life. And he did it better. And and that's what I am saying, and that's my my humble uh, 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 experience of it. But I, I I don't say that in any way, shape, or form to evaluate the Shemona Perakim as if I had any koach at all to do that. You know, and it may be that Harambam, you know, would say, "You stupid idiot! How could you say such a silly thing?" But nonetheless, in my experience of Harambam's writings, all the majority of what it is that Harambam wrote in the Shemona Perakim, he refined. And de- did broader and deeper in uh, the Mishneh Torah and in the Moreh Nebuchim. So I very rarely uh, quote the Shemona Perakim. Also, there's elements in the Shemona Perakim that are very much a part of Harambam's time in terms of the medicine that he writes and you know some of the, the understanding of the nature of the world and how it works that he writes over there. Much more, he writes much more that way in the Shemona Perakim than he does in the uh, um, so that's just a preamble, but I don't want Has Shalom to put anybody off from. I mean, I've learned the Shemona Perakim, and uh, more than once. And I think that you know, it's if you're re, if you're a genuine student of Harambam, you should learn it. You must learn it, right? You have to see how Harambam wrote and how he treated things. But nonetheless, um, I I don't often quote it. So. What I'm going to do, I mean, it's very difficult because it's called the Shemona Perakim, as you might guess, because it is comprised of Shemona Perakim. <laughs> it's comprised of eight chapters. And these chapters are introductory chapters, right? So, so Harambam, where do you find the Shemona Perakim? Uh, the Shemona Perakim is, is part of Harambam's Perush La Mishnah. Rambams wrote a full commentary on the Shishas Didre Mishnah, on the six uh, books of the, on the six full volumes of the Mishnah. And 
He did this at a very young age, from uh, 23 till 30, seven years. He spent writing this pretty much off his mind. You know, he wrote it, he says at the end of it, that I wrote I wrote this as I was traveling and, and running for our lives and having to leave Spain and on boats. And so if I've made a mistake, he says, please judge me the kafzichut, she judge me favorably. <laughs> but nonetheless, it was a young... Um, uh, 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 work right. That was a, it. Was a work that he did when he was a young when when he was a young man, brilliant, uh, you know, exceptionally, uh, you know, brilliant young man. But it was a, written in his younger life, and he writes introductions to certain chapters and tractates throughout his commentary. So he does not just write commentary to the Mishnah. There are certain sections when he reaches them, he writes introductions to the sections. So he writes an introduction to the entire work, right? Which is absolutely essential for people to learn and read. I think, you know, people need to learn through it, I would say, every every couple of years. I think it's absolutely essential. And I I have a full set of shiurim on the Hakdama of Harambam's Perusha Mishnah that I did for um, Mishnah study, it's called. Mishnah study, I think, dot com, um, for Jesse Salem. And uh, I think it's twenty five classes or something like that, maybe more. But it's a full treatment of the of the hakdama uh, of of Haramba. Um And he wrote other hakdamot. He wrote, for example, before Perak very well known Perak in Sanhedrin, talks about Olamaba, talks about Ganayadin, talks about you know these kinds of things. So he writes a whole introduction to Perak Chelik. Uh, in his commentary, he writes a full introduction to Seder Taharot, right? The whole Seder that deals with Tuman, Tahara, purities and impurities. And he writes a full, I mean, it's unbelievable, uh, this Hakadamah that Harambam writes, because he goes through all of the principles of Tuman, Tahara in this introduction. And he actually says, you have no idea what I've done for you here. He says it explicitly. I've, I've with tweezers, right? I'm using that word, but he says, I've, I've, taken from one place here and another place there and another place there. I put it all together for you. And I've created a full treatment of the principles of Tuman Tara for you. You should learn it by heart, he says. Right? You must learn this by heart. You must learn it before you learn anything about Tuman Tara. And of course it was difficult because there's no Gemara in Masichet in Anseder Tarot. Right? There's no Talmud on Seder Tarot. So Harambam had to take everything that he took from whatever was written in the Mishnah and so on and so forth and put it into that Um it's very, very important. So one of the introductions that he writes is to Perkei Avot, right? The Masichet Avot is, is, is part of the Mishnah, the end of Nizikin, Seder Nizikin. And he writes an introduction, and there are eight chapters to his introduction, right? There are eight sec- sections to his introduction, and he call, and it's known in general by people, Shmona Perakim. It's the eight chapters that introduce his commentary on Masechet Avot. So it's not his commentary on Masechet Avot. He has a commentary on Masechet Avot. He introduces his commentary with the Shmona Peraki, Right? Now, what he does in the, in the introduction of his commentary is he talks about the elements of the human being that we need to understand in order for us to be able to enter into ourselves, as it were, and refine our character. So he believes that it is best to understand more about the nature of a human being in order to be able to refine one's character, right? Refine one's attribute and the way that one lives and one's habits and so on and so forth. So if you know more about your spiritual self, you know more about your physical self, you know about how these things interact and interplay, the better it is for you to be able to begin working on yourself. And that's really a great deal of what the Shemona Parakim deals with. 
Um, so much of it is based on Harambam's knowledge of a human being, right? How the body works, and for that matter, how the soul works, and so on and so forth. And not to say not to discount that, but it's it's some of it is he even developed it as as you know as he went on. But nonetheless, there it is. So what we're going to do uh, with it tonight is I'm not even going to begin any one of the eight parakim, right? Because we're not going to sit and read through all of the eight parakim. I'm not even going to read through one of the parakim. Next week, maybe we'll begin to do one of the one of the parakim. I'll decide which one. What I want to do with you tonight is simply look at his preamble to the Shmona parakim, because he has a preamble. And he tells you why it is that he did it, right? I think that that's valuable in and of itself to understand. So I'm going to share the screen and we will read it along with something else that Harambam wrote. So let me put this up for you. I hope everybody can see it. Yeah. Okay. So you see here it says, Hakdama Avot, and in brackets, Shmona Prakim, otherwise known as the Shmona Prakim. I also remind you that Harambam wrote this in Arabic. It's all in Arabic. We, of course, will not be reading it in Arabic. We are going to be reading as my most favorite translation, uh, Rav Kafir, Rav Yosef Kafir. So Rav Kafir translates as follows. And Hanabam writes, Who's the Mehaber Hazeh? The Mehaber Hazeh, of course, is Rabbi Uda Nasi. He's the Mehaber of the Mishnah. I already explained to you, says Harambam, in my own introduction of this whole work, what brought the author of the Mishnah to establish or to put this Masechet, this tractate, namely Avot, in this Seder, namely Nezikin. Right now, Seder Nezikin literally means the, the, the section that deals with damages. Nezikin literally means damages. And who deals with the damages? These are issues for courts and the judicial system. So it deals with judges. It deals with witnesses. It deals with court proceedings. It deals with borrowing and lending, buying and selling, and uh, and property law, and torts, and so on and so forth. It deals with all of those things in Seder Nezikin. Why then is this Masechet that we call Avot, and we have to understand why it's called Avot, Harambam doesn't deal with that. I'll explain what I believe it to be in a moment. But why this Masechet Avot, which for all intents and purposes, deals with, again, like I said, refining character. How it is that a person should live their best and most virtuous life. And much of the the, the Masechet of Avot deals with those things. Why is it placed in Masechet in Seder Nezikin? Right? Why is it in the section of the judges and court cases and things of that nature? So he says, I already explained it to you. So before we go on, I'm going to look at that right with you, and we'll see why it is that Harambam suggests that this was here. So we'll, we'll, we'll detour for a moment, and we'll have a look. And this is part of the Hakdama. Sorry, it's the wrong one. It should be this one. Hope it works. Also, it's still not working. Is it working? Hold on. Ah, yeah, it is working. Okay, so now I just lost my other thing. Kashir Hishlim, this is the Hakadama to the whole Mishnah, Pirusha Mishnah. So Harambam says, Kashir Hishlim kol lo. Once the Mishnah dealt with everything that a Dayan needs to know about themselves, about the Adim, the about the cases that they're going to adjudicate, he decided to put in Avot. 
ועשה כן לשתי סיבות. He did that for two reasons, רבי יהודה הנשיא. האחת, the first reason, כדי להודיעך אמיתות המסורת והקבלה שהיא אמת. So that you should know that everything that we're dealing with over here, specifically דיינים, which essentially are פוסקים, right? They are פוסק דין, right? They establish law. that we recognize that these people don't come out of thin air. And the Torah that they are learning, teaching, and adjudicating does not come out of thin air, that there is Masoret. Masoret literally means a handing over. So in modern Hebrew, we say, Ani moser lecha. What does it mean, Ani moser lecha davar? I'm, I'm sending this to you, I'm giving this to you, I'm handing it to you, right? That's what limsor means. So if we're saying, Ani moser lecha, Masoret is a giving, a handing over. a receiving of what's being handed over. So he says, HaMasoret VaKabalah, both the handing over and the reception of what was handed over is emet. It's true. And how does HaRambam do that? He gives the line. What's the HaRambam? The Mishnah does that, right? The Mishnah opens, the Mishnah Navot opens, Moshe Kibel Torah Misinai, Umsarah Leyoshua, Yoshua Zekenim, Zekenim Nevi'im, Nevi'im Mesaru Ala Anshek Anesedat Gedolah. It gives a very broad stroke overview of how the Torah went from one generation to the next. And it says, There you go, shout out to the Habura in Harambam's Hakdamah to the Mishnah, amazing. Right? From one group of learning to another group of learning. Yeah? So not only Does it show the validity of the Dayanim that are adjudicating the Torah that came from Moshe at Sinai one, from one group to the next, to the next, to the next in, a, in an unbroken chain? But also you should recognize the honor that should be given to the Hacham that is sitting as either a Dayan or adjudicating or Posek. Why? Because they are the ones that are holding the, 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 uh, the heritage, right? They're, they're holding what's being given over. And this, this, you know, what's being handed over from generation to the generation. So they are trustees, essentially, of the Masoret. What is a trustee? A trustee holds something in trust. So when you talk about a board of trustees, what's the difference between a board of trustees and a board of directors? It's a very big difference. The board of directors may be, have executive function in terms of how the day-to-day running of an entity that for, for which they sit, right, happens. The trustees... hold the entire entity in trust. They are responsible for making sure that the whole identity and, 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 uh, and focus and vision and, and philosophy and so on of an institution is maintained by its directors, right? And so if need be, the trustees can overthrow the board of directors or you know, clear the board, whatever the case may be, right? So a trustee holds things in trust. And the hakamim that are... studying and giving over the Masoret, hold the Masoret in trust. And the trustees of the Torah of Yisrael have reason to, to, to be honored, right? Not for themselves, but for the what it is that they are actually holding in trust, right? What they, what they have in, in their treasury. So Harambam says, A person should recognize these trustees in high regard. Because he holds the reception of the Torah in trust. And it doesn't matter which generation we find it, right? Whoever is in a specific generation, the holder of the Masoret, well, then they have to be recognized as the holder of the Masoret. They may be different than the earlier holders. They may not even be on the same level as the earlier holders. 
And that's why it says, We're going to start checking after the Beddin of Rabban Gamliel. We should start checking after the Beddin of David Amelech. And so too, they said, Shimshon right? You know, you want to compare Shimshon to Shmuel and Navi. Shmuel Navi himself was compared to Moshe and Aaron. Shimshon was never compared to Moshe and Aaron. He was great uh, a shofet in his own right. But nonetheless, the Hachamim say Shimshon in his generation is just as high and just as 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 respected as Shmuel in his own generation. And not only that, in and of itself, there is Musar to Bnei Adam, right? There's something to be learned from this. This teaches us something that what? That a person should, should never say to the Hacham that's in his generation, how are we supposed to accept the judgments of this person? I remember the previous Dayani was much greater, right? Assuming that the Dayan of one's generation is an upstanding fellow, yeah, and faithful to the study, he may not be the same. Right? I, was, I said that, I said this line in the Shloshim for Hacham Avodia Yosef to the family. It says, Shimshon Bedoro Keshmuel Bedoro. Another version of it is Yiftach Bedoro Keshmuel Bedoro. Right? So, you know, when you're in the door of, of Shimshon, you have to hold that Shimshon is like Shmuel. It's very hard to do that when you've seen Shmuel. Right? When you've recognized Shmuel. Right? So I said to, to, the, to them, you know, we saw Shmuel. We saw Hacham Yeah, We saw him the way that he was and how he worked. There's nobody like him. Still till today, there's nobody like him. I don't know if there ever will be anybody like him. He was Yahid not only in his own door, in many doors. But does that mean that Psak Din should stop because he he lived and, and he left us and he like like everybody before him? No, Psak Din has to continue. And we have to respect the poskim of our generation. As long as they're faithful people and upstanding people. And they're telling me they're hachamim amitim. Rambam says a fascinating thing over here. He says, after all, the deen that a faithful Dayan makes, who has the responsibility of holding the Mesorah, today it's very hard to recognize somebody who holds the responsibility of holding the Mesorah itself, because we are so fractured, fractured and split apart and everybody does their own thing. But if there we were recognizing somebody that genuinely is part of the Masoret and holding a Bedin over Israel in the way that Moshe Rabbeinu did, no matter how far in history it goes, we can't say that it's just this Dayan who is Posek. This Dayan is engaging in the breed of understanding Torah and establishing Pesach Din for Torah. And that is something that we believe HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself blesses. And influences, right? We don't say that this person is speaking the word of God, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded us that this is how it should happen. See, it says, Elahu shel Hashem shetzivanu bo. It doesn't say that the word of the Dayan is the word of God. It's that the psak of the Dayan is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded should be adhered to. As it says, the mishpat ultimately is Leluhim. It's one mishpat that was given from one to the next to one to the next during all the generations. So that's one reason. One reason is recognizing the Masoret and recognizing the trustees of the Masoret that, the, that are the Hachamim. The second, and that's why it's in Nezikin, because Nezikin is about the Dayanim. And the Dayanim ultimately adjudicate the laws of Torah. 
The second is, סיבה שנית, כדי להשמיענו במסכתה הזאת, תשאו עשינס מסכת, מוסר כל החכם מן החכמים עליהם השלום. To let us hear the מוסר, the advice, the, the, the points of, of, of embedderment that the החכמים of each generation, it goes through the generations per kavot of the החכמים, told us that we should do in order to be able to better ourselves and to be more, more virtuous and upstanding. That we should learn from them the choicest of our of, of attributes. Now he says what Harambam. Why is it in Nezikin? Everybody needs Musar. Harambam says the Dayanim require the refinement of character more than any other human being. They must be fine, refined of character more than any other human being. Dayanim. Why? Why? Because look, the average person, he's not, you know, really studying the refinement of character and working on this on a regular basis. Look, society is not going to fall apart. You know, you're going to still have people that are going to go to work. They're going to do their tasks. The city will run. The, the, the society will run. It might be the most, not, not, might not be the most virtuous society in the world, but it'll run. Of course, it's always better when people are doing this. It's not going to fall apart. The only person that's really one's hurting if they don't study and they don't try and develop themselves is oneself. But if Dayan is not somebody who's a Baal Musar, who really is thinking and working his whole life to be able to refine himself this way, and he has proper manners and deals with people appropriately and himself, he ruins the entire nation with his damages. Because he's in charge. Of teaching the Torah, representing the Torah, and so on and so forth. And therefore, the first words to of uh you know of advice in Masikhit Avod is to the Dayanim. It speaks to Dayanim first and it tells them pause in your judgment and judge appropriately. And it goes on and on. So I'm not going to go through everything else, but you see, those are the two reasons. First reason is Masorit. And the trustees of the Masoret. The second reason is that the Musar of Perkei Abot is put into Nezikin because the Dayanim need it most. Okay, so now we can go back to the preamble of the Dushmuna uh... Perakim. Let me just open it again because I closed it by mistake. There we go. Bear with me, bear with me, bear with me. Okay. Very good. Here we go. <clears throat> so Arambam writes, I explained to you in the beginning why he put this Masechet in this place, yeah, which we just read. And Ukvar Iftah Nukama Pa'amin, Bema Shekadam Bechibur Zesh, Shendaber Masechtazo Banyanim Mu'ilim, he said, look, I've already said that when it comes to Perkei Avot, to Masechet Avot, I'm going to speak to you about things that are very effective, very helpful, and I'm going to expand on them a bit. Right? is a beautiful line, this next line. He says, Because even though everybody can read Perkei Avot, 
Right? I am sure there's many people here who are listening who read Perkavot, either a translation of Perkavot, or even if you understand Hebrew, read it straightforward. It's quite straightforward, Perkavot. It's not so difficult to understand. Some things, as you'll see, Arambam will say, are difficult to understand, but the basic, the basic majority of it is quite easy to understand. However, in Asiyat Kol HaKalul Ba Kal Lecholada, it's easy to read, not easy to do. Right? And that's that happens for so many of us. How many of us recognize what is right and what we'd like to do, but find it extremely difficult to do? That's a reality if we are honest with ourselves that every single one of us deals with. Depends on what it is for many of us, but all of us experience that as human beings. We want to do something, we know that something is appropriate, but we don't do it. And we find it extremely difficult to do. That happens to all of us. In various sectors, right? Oftentimes we want to want to do things, which is not the same as wanting to do things. Nonetheless, Harambam says, Nosaf al Kach, right? More than that, excuse me, Gam lo kol here, the Gam lo kol muvanim perush maspik. Some of the things in Masechet Avot also are not so understandable without an appropriate explanation. Not only that, when a person genuinely studies it and implements it, it brings tremendous limut. It helps a person become whole. And it gives a person osher. Osher, a lot of people mistranslate. Osher, people think is happiness. And it's not happiness. Simcha is happiness. Sason is a kind of happiness. Osher is not happiness. Osher, it comes from, there's a word in Hebrew for legs, right? A, a, a fancy word. And a leg is ashur, right? Ashurav are a person's legs that stand. Osher is stability. So when it says, Ashrei Yoshbei Betecha, Ashrei Kol Hosebach, Ashrei so and such and so and so and so and such, what is Ashrei? Many people translate that as happy is the person. That is a mistranslation. It is not about happiness. It might be connected to happiness, but not about happiness. Ashrei kol hosebach means sturdy, steady, well-seated, well-standing are those that put their faith in you or put their strength in you. Ashrei yoshebebetecha. The ones who sit in your house, God, are well-standing. They're sturdy. That's what Ashrei means. So Osher is a, a the state of being in security and strength. right? That's what Osher is. So people think it's happiness. Okay, so there's happiness with that. Of course there's happiness with that. But that's what Osher is. Right? So not only does it give one a wholesome self, a whole self, it gives one genuine stability of self. Genuine stability of character. I want to pause here for a minute and unpack this a little bit because it sounds lovely that Harambam is saying it, but he's choosing his words very, very carefully. And he's saying two massive things about what it means to be human. The first is this idea of wholeness. And one of the things that Harambam is going to open up with in the first chapter of the Shmona Prakim is that there are various components to our he calls it our spirits or our nefesh. 
all of us recognize that there is more than one uh, type of 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 you know perspective within us. We are not monolithic as human beings. We are complex as human beings. There are many parts to us. And we know this and we use it in our vernacular. So we will say, part of me feels, and another part of me feels, what do you mean part of me feels and part of me feels? Is it you or isn't it you? Well, everybody talks about it this way. Part of me and part, well, which part? And that clearly recognizes that there are parts. People say, I'm not myself today. Who the heck are you if you're not yourself? You're yourself. You're just a different version of yourself. That's also in there. Or people say, you know, that's not me. It's not me. What do you mean it's not you? you? You just said it and did it. How could it not be you? Who was it? Was it an imposter? So we recognize that not only are there different parts to us, there are, are very often rival parts to us. So that goes back to the point that Harambam is making. There are things that we recognize as being right that we cannot do and be right with. We find it extremely difficult. We are in conflict. Shilemut is wholeness. Shilemut is finding real and true integration of the parts of us and being able to be all of those elements in a system, a systematic, integrated, faithful way, which takes a lifetime for people to achieve, if at all they achieve. Because in order to achieve the integration of which I speak, it requires a tremendous amount of heavy lifting and work and failure. And that's why one of the reasons I believe that the Pasuk says, Sheva Yipol Tzadik Vakam. A Tzadik will fall seven times. What do you mean a Tzadik will fall seven times? It's not just that bad things will happen to the Tzadik. The Tzadik himself or herself will fail. Seven principled times, right? And that for all intents and purposes, if you say, you say, you know, look, the average life is a 70 year span. Well, it looks like it's getting a little longer lately, but nonetheless, the average life is a 70 year. Right? If you really push, you've got 80. Well, in an average human life, 70 years, it's once a decade that Sadiq is a, finds a disaster on his hands of some failure of integration or failure that results as of, of, of a lack of integration. And that's all the way into the 70s of a person. So what Harambam is saying is that that studying Avot, studying this Masechet, genuinely, and listening to it and implementing it in a real way, brings Shlemut Gedola. It's not just Shlemut, it brings great Shlemut. And it brings Osher Amiti. It also brings security or stability, perhaps is more accurate, stability. And what is that about? Well, if we recognize, as the, as the Mishnah Nizikin says, Adam mu'ad le'olam. A human being is always expected to be damaging. Right? A human being is always expected to cause damage. And so we have to assume that a human being is a damaging entity. Why is that? Why? Because we're an absolute mess. That's why. Because we are born into this world wild lunatic beasts. And we take for granted that we just kind of happen to be good people. We don't just kind of happen to be good people. 
It is a tremendous, tremendous benefit for a child to have parents that at the very least discipline the child. That's why Shilomo HaMelech says, A person spares the rod, they hate the child. It's not like the English, uh, uh, you know, editing of that line. The English editing of the line is spare the rod, spoil the child, which is also true. But that's not what Shilomo HaMelech said. Shilomo HaMelech was talking about how the parent is with regards to the child in terms of the parent, not in terms of the child. person who spares the rod hates the child. Why? Doesn't care about the child being able to be a full-fledged human being in the world. Leaves the child to fall all over his or herself in the natural failures of oneself. Because of what human beings are, the complexities of a human being, the drives of a human being, the the arms race that all human beings are in along with every other living thing on this planet, it's a complete disaster. And so it takes a tremendous amount. And that's just out of the gate. Forget about the traumas that people experience in life of parents and people around them and peers and so on and so forth that absolutely blow apart the parts because it's hard enough to integrate the parts. When the parts are traumatized, it causes a schizoid effect to the parts. In which the person, in order to be able to survive, has to compartmentalize the heck out of oneself. Now, I may be getting too far on the psychological spectrum for people. But it's important to put it in here. Because it's really what Harambam is dealing with. So he says that the wholesomeness, the wholeness, the integration of a person occurs through the study of Abot and the the sturdiness of a person, right? The ability for a human being not to be running at at a whim and incapable of, 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 of reining in one's drives and whims as they come that cause tremendous havoc. And therefore, Haramam says, Ra'iti dibur. He thought, you know, I really should expound here because it's really important for people to get. And the Hachamim themselves said, May they rest in peace. A person who genuinely wishes to be a Hasid, and we have to explain what a Hasid is, he should fulfill the words of Avot, which is referring to this Masechet. What does it mean that a person wants to be a Hasid? Simply means that a person wishes to be the most viable individual that one can be. Ultimately, it means that a person, a Hasid, cares deeply and focuses one's life on Hasid. Just as a Tzaddik is a person that focuses one's life on Tzaddik. What does it mean to focus one's life on Hasid? Hasid is life giving. Hesed is supporting of life and what is livable and viable. So a Hasid is living in a way, as we'll see, <laughs> that cultivates the highest level of life for a human being and is not deterred by the terrible drives and whims and all kinds of uh, failures that a human uh, disposition brings with it. And in doing so, and in doing so, and becoming a Hasid, and being able to refine oneself, one removes the obstructions 
that otherwise are there that allow for God to flow through one's life in a full and strong way. So therefore, Haramam says, in its We don't have a level that's higher than Hasidut. Because Hasidut is the highest level of living. It is the most conscious and viable level of living. The most wholesome and sturdy level of living. And the only thing that is above Hasidut is Nibu'ah. But Nibu'ah is not in a person's ability to achieve. Because a person can reach the level of Nibu'ah, which essentially is Hasidut, and not be spoken to by God. But otherwise, really what this is saying is, is that if Hasidut means that a person is Nibu'ah ready, it brings one to Nebuah. As it says, Hasidut brings someone to Ruach Kodesh, to having a spirit of, of, of sanctity or of, of unique uh, presence of God in a person. And Ruach Kodesh is within the family of Nebuah. Basically, if A equals B and B equals C, A equals C. And what Rambam is saying, if you recognize a Hasidut makes one Nibu'ah ready, then basically what's, what it's saying is that this Maseche brings somebody to Nibu'ah. That's a pretty serious thing to say. I'm going to explain the truth of this. I'm going to explain that because why? Being Navi ready, meaning being a vessel that is capable of receiving the direct communication of God requires a refinement of midot. Because otherwise a person is in complete obstruction or, shouldn't say complete, they're to whatever percentage of obstruction that doesn't allow that flow to occur because they are not in full viable holistic mode. So I decided before explaining each Mishnah, which Harabam calls Halakha, some introductory chapters. So that a person has some awareness of, of how the human works before we start talking about what the human should do. And therefore it will be a key to understanding what it is that Achamim are eventually saying in the Masechet. V'da'aki advarim she'omar prakim alal ma'shi'avom in ha'pirush enam inyanim she'chidashtim. I also want you to know, this is not my own chidush uh, here, what I'm writing for you. Nor in the following chapters, nor in my explanations. Animid be from my own heart. It's not, I didn't pull these out of a hat, of my own thought. V'lo pirushim she'ani imtzatim. I didn't uh, make them up. They are edited, which means in a sense, not edited in the sense of changed of the language, but edited in terms of gathered and put together by me. I gathered them from various places and put them together. I got them from the words of Hachamim in the Midrash and the Talmud. I brought those in. And other of their works. 
וגם מדברי הפילוסופים הראשונים האחרונים, and I also brought in works of philosophers, early and late. And in addition to that, מחיבורי הרבה מבני אדם, from a whole bunch of works that other human beings wrote. וקבל האמת ממי שאמרו, if anybody wondered where the Rambam writes that, it's here. Accept the truth from whomever says it. So I'm telling you that a lot of the stuff that I'm writing here, sure, much of it is from the Hachamim, the Talmud, the Midrashim, the Pesikta, the, the, the Sifra, the Sifra, but some of it is from the philosophers, and some of it is just from other people. Like doctors. And other thinkers. That clearly Harambam read. And is editing and distilling for you over here. And it will be times. I will literally, I will write an entire piece, an entire uh, uh, treatment of an idea. That comes from a book that's well known. Usually it's Aristotle. Like what he writes, what Harambam writes about friends. It's lifted straight out of Aristotle, straight in and put into his perush, except for the Chavruta and Torah that Harambam obviously adds over there. And Bechol Zeroah, nothing wrong with that, says Harambam. I'm not going to take on myself something that somebody before me said. You know, I'm going to be clear about it. I'm, I'm admitting to you, it's not me. Although, I'm not going to tell you who wrote it. So-and-so said, so-and-so said. Why? Because I think it's, 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 it's extra and it's not necessary. Why is it not necessary? He says, Why? Because by, by keeping it anonymous, I may actually cause somebody to listen to it when otherwise they wouldn't because they don't like the person who said it. Right? He doesn't like the guy. He doesn't like Aristotle or he doesn't like Galen or whoever it is that Rambam quotes or, you know. Farabi or whatever it is. So he doesn't like to listen to it. So Rambam says, look, you take it from me. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Right? He might have a, a bad idea about it that he doesn't realize. Therefore, I'm making everything anonymous and I'm just giving it over. My goal is that you should get the ideas. Right? Get the points. To really understand the ideas that are hidden within this Masechet. And therefore, I'm going to begin with the introductory chapters that I've comprised in order. That is all following my goal here. There are eight of them. So there you are. I think it's an important understanding, right? To be able to have the preamble of, of Harambam and understand what it is that he's thinking and why it is that he's doing it and what it is that Pirkeavot means to him and so on. So I will leave that with you, and I will leave that here. And Bezrat uh, Hashem, I don't remember if it's next week or what it is, or the following week. Um, 
we'll look a little bit into the into one of the parakim. And with that, I bid everyone a good night and uh, an early Shabbat Shalom. Not too early. Thank you. Good night. Thank you so much, Rahman. Good night. Great. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you.